I stand around about here. Yep. I don't move too much. Good. Um, last week, Daryl talked about uh, sin and our response to when we see people sinning. And it's appropriate that this chapter of um, Matthew recognises that sin happens. And so what do we do when sin happens to us? Well, we're the ones who suffer for the sin of others. And it's talking about forgiveness. Now, before I get into the text, I'd like to, to start discussing a little bit about what I understand the concept of forgiveness to mean before we read the passage. So we're all on the same plate uh, understanding what, what I think this passage is talking about. And I do this because I was brought up in the church and I knew all the words, I knew the vague concepts, but it's easy to understand a concept and have a placeholder in your mind without actually understanding what that might translate to in real terms. So, and over the years, some of the stuff I'm about to share, I didn't find out till I was about, I think it must have been 35, and it made a big difference to what I was understanding the concept of forgiveness to mean. So, in Hebrew, the, the language that the Old Testament was written in, they have approximately 8,000 words. Now, if you compare that to English, English has around about 400,000 words. So we have the ability to break up concepts a lot more than the original Hebrews did. In Hebrew, because they have less words, there's actually a number of verbs, or quite a number of verbs, that, have, that we would associate with a mental process, but for Hebrews they overlay it with action. So the, the term zakar, which is to remember, in Hebrew, in English we would just say remember, that's just an action, a verb, I remembered something. In Hebrew, when they say to remember, it means to bring to mind and then act on behalf of. So in Genesis 8.1, when the Bible says, and God remembered Noah, he caused the winds to blow over the water and the waters to recede. So God remembered Noah and acted on that behalf. Genesis 30.22, when God says he remembers Rachel, he opens her womb and she conceives. So the act of remembering is an action as well. It's not just, oh, yeah, I've remembered that. It's not like God forgot Noah. Oh, yeah, oh, I've misplaced him. Oh, where, oh, there he is floating over there. That's not what it means. And so when we read passages like Hebrews 8.12, which says, For I will forgive them their iniquities and will remember their sins no more, it gives us a good picture of what forgiveness is. God doesn't forget our sins. He just chooses not to act on it anymore. Because remember means to act. So if he's choosing not to remember, he's choosing not to act on what he knows. So over the years I've had various people and they would describe forgiveness as, oh, God forgets our sins. That didn't seem to make a lot of sense. And they got it from this passage, oh, God doesn't remember anymore. Not remembering in English means forgetting. The Hebrew, that's not what it means. The opposite of remembering isn't forgetting. So forgiveness, as I understand it, is to not act on what we know. Not to act on the pain that we feel for what's happened to us. Not to act on the things we know. Because we don't forget. If we're honest, if someone hurts us, we don't forget that pain. And we can't forget it. And if you believe that forgiveness is all about forgetting, then we're all in a lot of trouble. Because I certainly can't forget people who've hurt me but I can choose not to act on it. And forgiveness is not about reconciliation. The other misconception that a lot of 
uh, Christians have is that oh, if I've forgiven them, then we must reconcile. But that reconciliation requires both parties to want that to happen. And sometimes people who sin against us actually intended to hurt us, don't want to reconcile. We're still required to forgive them, but it doesn't mean to say reconciliation will happen. Forgiveness is also not about escaping justice. Oh, I've asked for forgiveness, therefore you can't punish me. That's not what forgiveness is about. So we'll explore a little bit more about that as we get into the passage. Um, but that's vaguely what I understand about forgiveness to, to mean, not acting on what we know. So I'll, the passage we're reading is Matthew 18, 21 to 35. 20. Yeah, 35. Uh. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven shall be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. The slave, therefore falling down, prostrate himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. He was unwilling, however, and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then, summoning him to his Lord, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. So following the, um, the, the teaching of sin that Daryl talked about last week, Peter's saying, well, okay, we recognise sin's going to happen. How often do I have to forgive people who sin against me? And Peter's sort of got the idea that, that Jesus is more generous than the Pharisees. The Pharisees had a number of forgivenesses. That was only three. Offend me more than three times and I could do what I wanted. So Peter's trying to be generous. He says, how about seven times? Jesus says, no, seven times isn't enough. Seventy times seven. I don't think Jesus actually meant 490 times. I think he's implying that we keep forgiving. 490 times would have been a lot, a lot to keep track of um, then. So Jesus is saying, just keep forgiving. It's also a side note that seven is a, is a spiritual number for the Hebrews. It's God's perfect number, um, which is probably why G Peter picked it. So the parable goes on and talks about this huge debt that a slave owed to the, um, 
to the Lord or to the King. 10,000 talents. Uh, theologians put that to be somewhere between 12 million and a billion dollars in today's terms. A lot of money. So when the slave falls to his knees and says, oh, just give me time, I'll pay it. It'd be like me saying to my boss, oh yeah, I'll pay a billion, I'll repay a billion dollars, just give me time. Not gonna happen. My net worth over my life is not a billion dollars. <laughs> in fact, over my children's lives is probably not a billion dollars either. So the, the people hearing the parable would have known that this guy was asking to be forgiven and have patience, and he was never gonna be able to repay it. So the king forgives him. Now notice that the king doesn't forget the debt. So he's forgiven him, but he hasn't forgotten the debt. He knows it existed. He's just choosing not to act on what he knows. So this slave, probably going out feeling relieved, he's got all this tension. What can he do to make himself feel better? He finds someone who owes him, who owes him money, 100 denarii, which is apparently 100 days wage. Not a lot of money compared to what he'd just been forgiven. And he, and he enforces it. He says, you can't pay me off to jail until you can. Now, debtor's prison never sort of made sense to me. What's the point of putting someone who owes you money in jail till they pay you? Because you can't earn any money in jail. It's a whole bizarre strangeness. Maybe the hope is that some of your relatives will pay it for you. But anyway, he's done that. He's, he's dumped this poor guy in jail. And the other servants see what's happened. They somehow know that the king's forgiven him his debt. And they say, that's not right. And so they report to the king, and the king responds to that. And the king is really angry because, again, he, he knows that he forgave him this debt. He was aware of what the debt was. And he says to the, the servant, couldn't you have been as generous to the people who owed you as I was to you? My generosity should have inspired generosity on your part. And you didn't. So he hands him over to the torturers until the debt is paid. So the, the original servant is in, a, is in a worse place than he was before. So the point of the parable is we are the first servant. To truly appreciate what God's forgiven us, we need to study and learn how God views sin, how serious any of our little sins are to God. And it's hard for us to get that concept because for us, sin is something we put up with all the time. And it's sort of normal for us, but for God... It's totally out of the. It's totally out. We have stories like, um, no, can't remember the guy's name, but at one stage the ark is being carried back on the from the Philistines on on some donkeys, and it looks like it's going to fall. And this, I guess, faithful Jew reaches out to stop it falling, but he touches it, which was something he wasn't allowed to do. And the holiness of God that was in the ark just burns into a crisp, dead. That's how holy God is. The smallest sin he can't put up with. So we have been forgiven, if we've accepted Christ to be in God's kingdom, we've been forgiven such a lot that we need to be prepared to forgive when other people hurt us. It won't make the pain go away. It won't stop us feeling angry. But we need to be in a position to forgive them, to allow, to not act on that pain, to not act on that sin against us. And those sins could be something that someone did deliberately, something that someone forgot to do for us, maybe something that they hurt us when they didn't know something about us, or maybe an accident. Maybe they, we were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
But forgiveness is not to ignore that pain. That we forgive people will not make the pain necessarily go away. And that's something that is important to remember. Sometimes the pain is so great, we need to constantly be forgiving people. When the pain surfaces again from that incident, maybe it's the loss of a loved one, and that, won't, that pain doesn't go away. When it surfaces, people have to re-forgive and say, God, help me to remember not to act on this pain. Help me to continue to forgive. So forgiving isn't just a one-off thing. For some sins it is. You, you forgive and then you can just leave it because it was a, a minor thing. But sometimes for major sins, it's something we have to keep doing. And that's okay. We just need to keep doing it. We need to be keep willing to forgive people as we go. Now, sometimes, if we're lucky, we can reconcile with that person. They realise they've done something wrong and they want to be reconciled. They want to be repentant for their action. And reconciliation can happen. But that's not always. We need to be willing to forgive people who haven't necessarily asked us for forgiveness. Because fortunately our God forgives us even when we forget to ask for forgiveness. Now, unforgiveness probably... Oh, sorry. Forgiveness probably looks like um, for sins that... Because we know things have happened, if we've forgiven someone, when we tell the story of what's happened, sometimes we're telling our story in the front of church or just over coffee because we're trying to relieve some of the physical pain, the, the mental pain, psycho, psychological pain, that's it. Um, when we retell those stories of pain, we don't necessarily include the person who caused that pain. We don't tell the stories to denigrate that person or those people. We tell it sometimes to inform. Possibly it means we don't always tell those stories, just so that we have something to say. We don't seek revenge for that pain which is different from seeking justice for bad action. And if it's someone close to us who's hurt us, maybe we don't spend the next 20 years of our life reminding them of the little pains that they've caused us. I see some people smiling. <laughs> which, yeah, it doesn't mean to say we don't work with people to help them change their behaviour. It doesn't mean to say we're not willing to help them do better. We're not forgetting this, but we're not acting on it either. Now, that's very easy to say, and it's often a struggle to do. But remember, when you need to forgive people, it's not about forgetting what they've done to you. It's about acting appropriately going forward. And that's, that's the difficult thing about forgiveness. It's much easier to tell stories, to put people down, say what a bad thing they did to you. And I don't say never tell those stories because sometimes it's important for people to understand our journey or to help other people, that story is important. And that is all I have for today. Thank you very much for your attention. Uh, I don't know, do we have another song, Jess? I guess we do, she's moving. Thank you.